Hello and welcome to Workforce, a podcast where we uncover the science and behaviours behind things that happen in the workplace that impact your success, blending academic evidence and real life experiences. I'm your host, Dr. Grace Lorden, author of Think Big, Take Small Steps and Build the Future You Want. And in this episode of the podcast, which I think is my favourite of the series, we are considering office fridge politics. The guy whose food got thrown away, he didn't want anyone to lose their job over this. So he was just kind of like, okay, with this information, now I know to watch out for this person. They're going to take my lunch and throw it away sometimes. Anonymous notes are that kind of passive-aggressive expression that sort of indicates the quality of communication that goes on in the organization. I think you can really get a feel for the kind of prevailing etiquette or or manners uh, within an organization, you know, depending on how people um, treat the fridge. Yes, today we are speaking about office fridge politics, specifically whether there is an argument that it is a barometer for workplace culture. Before we meet the first of today's guests, though, let's say hello to Teresa Almeida, our awesome behavioural scientist from the London School of Economics. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Grace. So I hear you have a story to tell us about <laughs> office fridge politics. I'm not sure it's a story, but more of a, a quick anecdote. So I really believe in office fridge politics and I really believe that it is a barometer of culture, so much so that at one stage in my career, um, and if you identify with the story, I promise you that it isn't the one that you're identifying with. At one stage in my career, I um, got myself a, a fridge because the arguments over the office fridge were so fraught. And I had an office fridge for an incredibly long period of time until I went to work in a really good culture and I felt just able to gift it. So I think I've gifted it to you, Teresa. It's sitting in your office. I, I do think it is. Um, but So why do you think you got a fridge? I think when we talk about office politics, people think of the words toxic, unfair, demotivating. What do you think the fridge comes into this? I mean, I think if you have different types of people in an office and there isn't a level of respect where... They will show up for each other. Very often this manifests in the fridge. So you'll have some people who will leave food in the fridge. It becomes incredibly smelly. They'll leave milk in the fridge. It becomes incredibly smelly. And then on other occasions, you might have other individuals who are writing saying we have to clean the fridge. It's disrespectful to colleagues. And those arguments spill over. So stepping out of whether or not there should be a rota to clear the fridge. And I believe actually this is a really good compliance mechanism when we have office fridge politics, a fridge rota. But stepping out of those arguments actually just made my life much easier. I love the connection between office, fridge and behavioural science. But I'm also curious around, I'm, I'm sure we'll hear something about this. But then what happens when we move from the physical space to the online office? So I'm sure we'll hear some of that. Yeah. Okay, let's get to it. So I am actually so excited about today's episode. As I've already said, it is my favourite. The reason I'm so excited is that this episode, unlike others, has espionage, lies, tears and a missing lunch. And then she comes sitting down and then he's like, yeah, you know, someone, someone took my lunch yesterday and someone threw it away. And she was like, oh my God, like who would do that? That's crazy. And I'm just sitting next to her. Like I'm about to jump out of my skin because I cannot believe that this is the situation I, that we're all in. And so she's kind of denying it there because there's a company wide email that goes out. That's like, Hey, just, you know, so everyone knows, don't take people's lunches out of the fridge. Don't throw them away. And um, and she's like, I don't know who would do that. She's just being very vocally loud about how she's not involved with this at all. So that is Zach Toscani, a super cool guy who we'll hear more from later, who has been directly impacted by office fridge politics. But before we get to that, my first guest has some really interesting perspectives on the office fridge as a microcosm of workplace culture. 
Tom Dennis spent 17 years in the Marines and now works in corporate companies inspiring better leadership. I was interested to know which of the skills and experiences he's gained in the Marines have been particularly relevant to making positive changes in corporate culture. One of the things the, 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 the Marines train you to do is to be flexible and to really respond to what's going on. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people have this view of the military as, as being this immovable object where you're trained to obey orders um, kind of thoughtlessly. And um, it's not really like that. They really, really encourage you to, to think on your feet. You get this sense of, uh, are you a willow or are you an oak tree? And how much flexibility do, do you have? Um, you know, today organizations are really being challenged to um, move with forces that they never expected to have. Uh, and um, I think as a result, some are ha having having a lot of difficulty to, to um, adapt, whereas others are much more fleet of foot. And it's the fleet of foot bit, I think, that uh, I, I bring with me. So on to office politics now, and I'll give you Tom's definition of this. He understands office politics as personal agendas that are not related to the functioning of the organisation, and that at best they're a distraction, but at worst, office politics can actually be really destructive in the workplace. So how do we go about identifying a company's workplace culture or any office politics that could be infecting a healthy one? I suppose most offices now have some sort of fridge where because people don't want to go out to eat, it's so expensive um, and they need to take a break. Uh, and for a lot of people, it's expected that you you kind of keep working. So having having your food sort of to, to hand really um, helps. And of course, you can then eat um, according to your needs more easily. But it's a little space, isn't it, a, a fridge, typically? You know, I, I've, I've heard of vegans who want their separate fridge uh, because they don't want to be tainted by any any of the the, the things that other people might bring. And do you have two fridges? Do you have three fridges for to, to cater for different diets? And what happens when somebody sort of takes from somebody else, well, you know, it's only a bit of milk or it was only a, a piece of cheese, they won't miss it or, uh, you know, I'll pay them back. I, I suppose that for some people it, it reflects what happens in the handling of the fridge is sort of like a, a microcosm of the, 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 the culture of the organization. I, I always used to use reception areas actually as a, as a, as a sort of kind of culture thermometer, just seeing how you are received in, in, in an organization and how the receptionist is treated. But the fridge is, a, is another one because it, it's, it, so many people want to use it and um, has your food gone off? Have you cleaned up when you spilt the milk? Do you know whose rotting bit of food that is? Uh, and has someone left this anonymous note? I think anonymous notes are that kind of passive-aggressive expression that sort of indicates the quality of communication that goes on in the organisation. 
So, yeah, I mean, fridges can be a bit of a, a, a barometer for um, how things are going. And, you know, it's, it's like a family. If you're sharing a kitchen with some people, do you care for other people um, or do you just care for yourself or do you not care at all? <laughs> it, it's funny. A lot of people haven't thought of it. You know, what's the fridge like and how does that reflect the, the culture? <laughs> I, I liked your analogy about family, actually, because I guess if you treat your colleagues like your family and somebody takes your cheese, you will be quite relaxed about it. But if you're in quite an individualistic culture, you're probably going to be really irritated if somebody takes your cheese. Yes, there's an assumption there, of course, that you get on very well with your family. Some organisations want to be like a family. And actually, I think you you need to think about that because... Uh, the dynamics of family are, aren't, I mean, there's an assumption there that if it's family, everything's hunky-dory, but it's not all, always like that. So I, I don't think it's always a healthy aspiration. So, yeah, well, it's a good question. How's, how's the fridge today? I'm so excited for where we're heading to next because this person we're about to speak to is all too familiar with the political war zone the office kitchen can become. So US comedian Zach Toscani was working at a subtitling company in LA. And not only did he witness an office fridge-based drama up close and personal, but he had the rest of the world on the edge of its seat too. As he drip-fed the unfolding case of his co-worker's stolen shrimp fried rice onto an active Twitter forum. So I worked at a at a post-production subtitling company in Los Angeles. Um, it was kind of a part-time job to make ends meet while I was pursuing comedy full-time. And uh, I worked in a pretty small room. There's maybe six of us in this tiny little room. So we got to know each other pretty, pretty closely over the few months. And the guy who sat across from me, uh, we were usually the first ones to get there in the morning. And he came in... Um, and he was like, you know, yesterday someone threw my lunch away. I had a shrimp fried rice. I had put it, I had microwaved it. And then I guess he puts it in the fridge after the microwave, which is kind of a weird move, but he liked it a little cooler. And I guess someone had thrown it away, just taken it and thrown it in the trash. And he didn't know who did it, why they did it. And, you know, it's just him and I kind of talking. And then the HR, um, the woman who was uh, ahead of HR came in. And she goes, you know, we have video cameras in the kitchen. We could just, we could review the tape and see who did it. And I couldn't believe that she offered that. So uh, she took him back to uh, where the cameras were and they watched it. And they saw that it was the woman who sat right next to me who took his food out of the fridge and just threw it away. And then from there, I just kind of started live tweeting the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it was crazy because... He didn't, the guy whose food got thrown away, he didn't want to, he didn't want to get anyone fired. He didn't want anyone to lose their job over this. So he was just kind of like, okay, with this information, now I know to watch out for this person. They're going to take my lunch and throw it away sometimes. And that's where he was going to leave it, um, which I thought was pretty cool of him. You know, he didn't want to blow up anyone's spot. Um, but then when um, the woman who came in and threw the lunch away, when she came and sat down, it was like a powder keg because now I know and he knows all of what happened. And then she comes sitting down and then he's like, 
yeah, you know, someone, someone took my lunch yesterday and someone threw it away. And she was like, Oh my God, like who would do that? That's crazy. And I'm just sitting next to her. Like I'm about to jump out of my skin. Cause I cannot believe that this is the situation I, that we're all in. And so she's kind of denying it there because there's a company wide email that goes out. That's like, Hey, just, you know, so everyone knows don't take people's lunches out of the fridge. Don't throw them away. And, um, and she's like, I don't know who would do that. She's just being very vocally loud about how she's not involved with this at all. And um, so it's it's it. The tension is high in that room. And, uh, you know, eventually pretty much everyone else in the company finds out this whole story that this woman threw his lunch away. And now she's kind of denying it. So is this kind of this big open secret? And so as I'm live tweeting this, what's going on between them? It's blowing up on social media. Uh, I never really, and I, I figured it was a funny story to tell, but I didn't. I didn't know that it was gonna really resonate with with a lot of people. And so I was kind of live tweeting this uh, this whole situation, and uh, you know, people were telling me, "You got like, there's got to be another level to this. There's got to be." Everyone wanted the confrontation, right? Everyone wants that guy to go up to her and be like, I know you stole my lunch, but I kind of found the whole, this, this whole like play going on underneath the surface way more fascinating. And so about two days after that, there was a big theory amongst everyone who was reading the tweets and talking to me that maybe she was allergic to shrimp. Maybe she didn't like the smell. So I kind of, uh, and uh, put myself in this in this story by I bought shrimp fried rice for the entire room for all six people. <laughs> One day I just bought I was like, hey, everyone, I just want to surprise everyone with lunch. I bought shrimp fried rice. And the woman who threw the lunch away goes, I love shrimp fried rice. So that theory gets blown out of the water. <laughs> she's eating it and she's enjoying it. And it, it's just pandemonium in there. It's it's wild. <laughs> So, yeah, it's like, I don't know why. I still don't know why she did it. I don't know if she knows why she did it. I don't know that she knows that she did it. You know, there was there was this kind of, um, I don't know how best to s- describe her, but it didn't seem like someone who was terribly on the internet a lot. So she, like, as this Twitter thread is blowing up, I'm like, oh, my God, she's going to see this. And I have to sit next to this woman, and maybe she has some words for me. From my knowledge, she never saw it, still has never seen it. She's still working at that company. I know people that are still there, and they're like, yep, she's still here. (laughs) In a way, she's lucky that you and your colleague were kind of cool about it. So I know that you were interested, and you wanted to know her motivation, and you you bought the the shrimp and rice, but somebody else could have been quite confrontational about what happened. Totally. Absolutely. I mean, I I really left it up to his hands, uh, the the victim in this whole whole thing the man whose lunch was lost i kind of like i think it's up to this guy to see what happens and yeah i i did honestly think it was very cool of him to not want to get this person like he wasn't out for vengeance he was upset obviously he was perturbed that his lunch got through thrown away but um i did admire that he was just like well now i know that about that person and i'll just keep that in my head and I was like, oh, that's smart. You know what I mean? You're using the information. You're going to maybe you're waiting for just the right time to drop it. Like this guy did should she, be in royalty or something. Did she use the fridge, Zach? Was she somebody who who put her lunch, put her drinks into the fridge? 
Yeah, she she I think daily ate um you know like microwavable meals uh you know like a lean cuisine type of deal. So she was in the kitchen often. Okay. Um and quite a lot of us were because uh the company offered like free snacks and there was always fruit. So people were going in and out. Um so it's kind of surprising that no one physically saw her do this. Um, and I don't know, maybe she was waiting for a time where no one else was in the kitchen. It's really interesting to think if, whether she was completely aloof in the situation or if it was like a criminal mastermind and she, she's planned out all these things and then just didn't account for the cameras. (laughs) I like the idea of the latter, that she's a criminal mastermind and she just likes to mess around with people. So what about this idea that Tom Dennis posed earlier about the office fridge being a kind of microcosm for the overall culture of his workplace? I was keen to know whether or not this incident at Zach's work was usual behaviour across all employees or just one rogue individual and not actually indicative of the culture at all. There wasn't a lot of uh, oversight. They were just kind of worried about, uh, you know, all these, because it was subtitling, they have all these... um, agreements with netflix and and amazon and all so they were kind of more focused about their clients and we were kind of left unattended for the most part i mean we had quotas we had to hit for movies and television shows to go through in a day and check the subtitling and positioning and all that kind of stuff but it was a really free kind of free reign type of situation um which you know is nice you know i didn't want to be i didn't want to be like having someone sitting over my shoulder watching every move but i think that the kind of looseness allowed for things like that to happen for <laughs> people to go rogue i guess but yeah it was just kind of it was a little bit wild westy i guess i mean just from the fact of the hr person being like <laughs> they're just kind of take the, the footage drama. yeah exactly <laughs> They're like not trying to resolve this at all. They're just like, I don't know. Here's who did it. You want to, what do you want to do? Um, so it was a really interesting place to work. I think the huge reaction Zach got from his tweets about the story is so telling that there are versions of this happening all over the world. There's got to be something more to this than just a bit of unruly kitchen behavior. So this is a great time to bring in our final guest for today's episode, Christina Clark. Christina is a great person to talk to about office fridge politics. Founder and CEO of Work Culturati, she is a workplace mediator splitting her time between consultancy work, leadership and executive coaching. She's also a really nice person to boot. We wanted to chat to Christina because she's an expert in how communication can set the tone for the rest of the workplace and how organisations can embed healthy workplace cultures that go beyond working hours. So let's dive straight in there with Christina on her take on the office fridge and what we can learn about the culture of the workplace it serves. I was so thrilled to get this topic because I think, you know, that the office fridge, a bit like the office uh, microwave, warrants a bit of an anthropological uh, study into it (laughs) as as to how respectful or disrespectful maybe a, a culture might be. And, you know, in theory, an office is meant to bring people together. And of course, that's been challenged quite a lot by COVID in in recent times. And I would say that the same is true of the humble fridge. You know, it either really brings people together or it can divide everyone. And I think you can really get a feel for the kind of prevailing etiquette or or manners uh, within an organization, you know, depending on how people treat the fridge. 
one of the things I would say is that, you know, it's a, it's a gathering place of camaraderie in a similar way to maybe the water cooler in the UK, maybe. Um, and in Europe, you know, I'd say the coffee machine is perhaps maybe more the sort of the gathering point. But maybe the purpose of the fridge is to make a place feel a bit more homely. You know? and, I, and I think we've seen that it could be, you know, maybe a holding place for you know, a bottle of, of champagne, maybe to bring people together on a Friday after a hard week of work. <laughs> oh, I need, um, I need to come work. There's no champagne at LSC. I need to come work with you. <laughs> I, I think I need to stock up. Um, but, no, I mean, I think, you know, depending on the type of organization, you know, it's, it's a place where, you know, people gather to sort of raise their spirits or, you know, to, to, to sort of hide their snacks if they don't want other people to, to have them but usually it's sort of a way to kind of exchange a few words with you know those colleagues that maybe you don't get a chance to meet um, in other parts of the of the building um, but it can go sour grace and you know I think this is probably one of the things that you know we, we could chat about today is you know how you know some people do help themselves to those sort of treasured snacks and uh, you know we can end up with menacing notes you know being left in the fridge um, a warning against you know potential further food theft um, I've read some really creative things like, you know, people considering leaving decoy sandwich bags that have mold on them, you know, to prevent people from, uh, from taking <laughs> anything from them. But, you know, I think there's a lot of cultural symbolism, actually, in in, in the fridge. And, and maybe I can take you back to the 1980s when, uh, you know, in advertising, when people had their own offices, it was quite a status symbol if you had your own fridge in the office. And I think back then it was like people were drinking Aquavit, you know, if it wasn't champagne, of course it was the 80s. Um, and, um, you know, um, then we had the uh, pre-2008 financial crisis, you know, in some city firms, um, people would have a trolley that would come to you. I mean, there were, you know, banks and things that would have sort of, you know, birthday cakes and presents coming through to you from the kitchen on a trolley, <laughs> etc. And of course, that all went with the financial crisis. And, uh, you know, now nowadays, we'd all be lucky to be able to find a corner to stash a chocolate bar in. So, you know, it's uh, changing, changing times indeed. What's your feeling about those emails or those notes that people leave? So I see these when things get stolen and also when the fridge is quite messy. So if somebody has had bad fridge etiquette, that there tends to be either an email go out or somebody will leave a note to say, it's not okay for you to leave your, your, your sour milk spilled. So is that a good idea from a colleague with respect to kind of making sure that the fridge etiquette goes back to where we want it to be? Or is that actually going to cause much more trouble than that person thinks when they're doing that? I mean, of course, there's the inevitable, you know, ripple of, uh, you know, disgruntled uh, noises, I think, that comes out, you know, whenever a kind of group email like that goes round. But, you know, of course, you know, we need to reinforce the need for you know, respectful communication. I would say it's always better if it's, you know, led by example, if someone sort of very senior within the organization or even someone who's just very highly respected just sends a note round just to say, look, you know, hey, would you do this at home? Yeah. <laughs> you know, a Harry Potter style, you know, let the, don't let the elves uh, clean up after you sort of thing. Um, you know, then, uh, then you know, it's, it's the responsibility is, is amongst us all. Um, I don't think it needs to be a sort of, you know, top down, you know, being babied thing or anything like that. But uh, just, you know, a few people who are kind of good, strong culture carriers, like really enforcing those behaviours, I think is really important um, in, in an organisation. And you mentioned culture carrying, because I, I guess the other thing that I've seen is is compliance mode, where everyone gets a week to clean the fridge. So regardless of where you are in the organisation, whether you're the most senior or whether you're the person who's just joined on their first day and, and it's your first job, you will be assigned a time slot to clean the fridge. And I've seen that work well. So what... If you go into an organization and you, you see that they rely on these type of rotas and these compliance-based mechanisms, what does it actually say about their, about their culture? 
Well, I think I think a mechanism like that, a rota where everyone has to do it, I think, you know, is absolutely excellent because it just means that, you know, the people who think they're too busy and too important to do it, um, you know, can't get away with not doing it. And therefore, that also becomes an example to everyone else. You know, they would, as I said, they would behave differently in their own homes. Um, so I, I think that kind of um, culture is the basis of a culture of respect. Um, and we come back to psychological safety. You know, if if people feel that they can speak up if there's a problem, then, you know, we're then creating the grounds for, for better communication in other areas. It's that ripple effect. Yeah. And that's why I'm interested in fridge politics, because I do think it is a pulse point for other, you know, we when we think about fridge politics, it does seem very, very funny. But I really believe it's a pulse point for other things in the organization that we need to go right in order to serve, you know, clients and, and, and to add value in the way in the way that we want. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that comes to mind as well in terms of fridge politics, if we if we dive a bit closer into the contents of the fridge, you know, that that carton of milk or maybe that birthday cake, you know, that might be indicative of a bit of emotional labor that's uh, within the organization. You know, I think you might be familiar with there was a poll last year that talked about how those gender based or biased um, use of stereotypes, you know, is, is widespread with women being asked to make tea uh, or coffee almost three times more than their male counterparts. Yeah. So and and also the same would fall to, you know, if we're going to have a celebration to celebrate a colleague's uh, birthday um, that, you know, that birthday cake and card would be procured probably more likely by a, you know, a woman than a male counterpart. So, um, you know, definitely when you're opening the fridge, you're, you're, you're seeing a whole range of socioeconomic and political uh, implications there. <laughs> And it's, and, it, and it's really depressing because the woman is in a double bind because if she does it, she's doing a non-promotable task. But if she doesn't do it, then she looks like a disgruntled colleague who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to help others. And I think that isn't given to men, that second, that second naming type. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, um, you know, this this reminds me a bit of um, there was a book that was written it was in the 90s by a sociologist called uh, Arlie Hofschild. Yeah. She talks about the time bind. And uh, it was this idea of, you know, the work and home becoming sort of a bit fluid in terms of the concepts to keep, you know, people very much based working harder because everything is just on your doorstep already. But I think that term has perhaps been misplaced a little bit with the emotional labor that, you know, they, they, they quote Arlie, Arlie Hoschild, and I think it's, it's, it's changed from her original meaning of it. It's not somewhat, but, um, but, you know, that brings us to the beer fridge, you know, that's another way of keeping us at our desks for longer. And what should I do if one of my colleagues steals my sandwich from the office fridge now that we've moved? We have a really good culture, uh, but let's imagine that one colleague does snaffle my sandwich how, how should I approach that in a way that both maintains the culture but make sure that it doesn't happen again I think the first thing is to not accuse anybody you know to, to jump too quickly to con <laughs> conclusions which you know maybe I'm a, I'm a, a, guns, a, I'm a gunslinger Christina I'm a gunslinger I'm, go I'm going to I, and I know already Teresa Almeida who's listening she's the most likely culprit to steal my sandwich I'm a gunslinger I'm gonna do it I'm gonna regret it but I will so by the time you've come in I've already accused them of stealing the sandwich uh, <laughs> I, I would say the other thing is that you know perhaps it's the highest form of flattery because perhaps your sandwich was really delicious you know I mean that's <laughs> the other thing so you know first of all let's not jump to conclusions let's just be open to asking some questions about where the sandwich might have gone and you know why <laughs> i don't think we'll let a sandwich come come between us and the team so i so that, that's one thing i'm confident with that's good to hear i'm available for mediation if needed oh amazing we might take you up on that you never know <laughs> so do you have any kind of general advice for us kind of keeping the peace around fridge politics 
I think the importance is is really respect. I'm going to come back to that because for me, that's the fundamental um, element. You know, I think we need to make the rules of engagement really clear. And if there's an opportunity to co-create those rules of engagement with other people in the firm, and it also depends on the size of the firm, of course, or the company or the organization. If it's smaller, it's much easier to co-create those rules. Um, I just say bring people along, uh, you know, for the ride, you know, and, and, and say, you know, these are the things that we'd like to achieve. You know, how are we going to get there and just make people part of that conversation and, and you know, the output, because then they're going to be more committed to uh, playing their part and their role in keeping those that, that etiquette alive, as it were. So perhaps the office fridge does still have a place in the workplaces where we share with our colleagues, even if we're only popping in once a week. I think our guests today have well and truly supported my hunch that the office fridge is not just a fridge, but in fact, is a barometer for how healthy a workplace culture is, how its employees feel about working there and how they feel about each other. Teresa, your office is the parking spot now for the fridge that I mentioned at the top of this episode that I felt that I could give away because I was now working in a great culture. What does our fridge and the condition of it say about us? I think it's kind of ironic that you bought this fridge to, you know, not engage with others in office fridge politics. And now <laughs> because of this fridge, it is a social hub for people to come in and hang out in my office. It wasn't so much about not wanting to get engaged with others. I did that just fine. I just didn't want to get involved in the politics. So then if I never had anything in the fridge, I was never leaving a mess. I was never looking at other people's messes. It just, it just didn't, it just didn't impact me. That's interesting. I, I quite like having the fridge, to be honest, because I think it, it is a symbol of people are very happy to come and have a five minute conversation with each other. And there's so far no emails about spilled milk or food that's gone off. So that's quite nice. Is that because you use the fridge for beverages? No, no, there's, there's everything, <laughs> everything in the fridge. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. People start bringing their lunches, which I'm like, there's a bigger fridge down the hall. So I don't know why you have to keep it in this one. But that's that's a whole other thing. And how did you feel about the points that Tom, Zach and Christina brought up in the episode? I think what I really liked about what they say is that it's not the fridge, it's not the virtual office, it's politics are everywhere, and it's about how do you deal with those politics. So in a really good culture, the politics are fine, but in others, the politics might be really toxic. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to say, I came into this episode convinced that the fridge was a good barometer for office culture, and I'm leaving this episode with my, my biases confirmed, perhaps, but nonetheless, still of the same position that it is a barometer for office culture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Workforce Podcast. We can only squeeze so much from our guests into the final edit of each episode, so there is bonus content with all of today's guests available to watch on my YouTube channel. Please head to the show notes for where to find those or follow me on LinkedIn or Instagram, where I will be posting the content. A huge thanks to Tom Dennis, Zach Toscani and Christina Clark for sharing their time and thoughts with us and to Teresa Almeida for simply being fabulous. This was an amazing episode for me and I hope you also enjoyed it too. This is the bit where I plead for your support. Please give a helping hand in getting Workforce in front of more listeners by subscribing, rating and reviewing wherever you are listening to this. We'd also love to hear your questions and ideas for future episode topics and you can contact me anytime through my website on www.gracelorton.com. Also, big thanks to Annabelle and Lucy from Decibel Creative. I'm Dr. Grace Lorden, and I hope I earned the privilege of your time. Bye for now. <laughs>